Today is January 1st, first day of a new year. So I have some questions for you. Who, who is it that wants this coming year to be bad? Just raise your hand. You want it to be bad? Terrible? Nobody's raising their hand. That's a big surprise. Okay, another question. Who wants this coming year, so think about it, Think about January, February, March, April, May, on and on and on. Who wants this coming year to just be okay, to be mediocre? You know, eh, eh, eh. Raise your hand. Nobody. There's another big surprise. Okay, who wants this year to be a good year? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that's good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm kind of there with you, but I got one more question for you. Who wants this year to be excellent? Yeah, well, almost as good as the good part, but yeah, some of you got to raise your levels of expectations up just a little bit to go from good to excellent. Yeah, an excellent year. So what would that mean and what would that look like? What is it when you say that or when you think that, excellent year or good year, whatever you raise your hand, what does that mean to you? See, the reality is we all have an understanding, a context of that. For some of us, it might mean that an excellent year would be not having our car break down. For some of us, an excellent year would mean that we wouldn't lose power, especially in a blizzard. For some of us, it would mean that, that we get a raise or a promotion. For some of it, it would mean that, that the kids don't fight every day. For some of us, it would mean that there's no problems in our relationships and that the things that are there would be resolved and worked through. For some of us, it means all of those things and so much more. That's what it would mean to have an excellent year. So here's, here's a reality. You know, there are a lot of things that are outside of our control. Is that not true in terms of how our year goes? But there is a lot that is. We have this thing called free will. God allows us to make choices. There's one thing that I tried to teach my children when they were little, and that was this. You make your choices, and your choices make you. So as you think about having an excellent year, and whatever that might mean, realize that truth. And what that means to each and every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. See, we have the option to follow him. We have the option to seek his will. We have the option to live within the, the framework of what he calls us to as followers of Jesus or not. And he hopes for you even more than you hope for, that you will have an excellent year beyond the scope of your understanding of that even. As you sit here today and you have all of those things, you could lay out a huge list he has hopes for you that, that goes even beyond that in terms of what it means for you to have an excellent year. 
And he reveals something this morning in his word that is so incredibly powerful. It's life changing, it's transformational. About what it means to be a follower of Jesus, found in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, and we're going to read verses 1 to, to the first uh, part of verse 8, and it's called the most excellent way. As you open up these words and this truth, Open up your heart. Listen to the word of God. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. And these last three words... Love never fails. This is the word of God. It might have been written in our hearts, lived in our lives. The most excellent way. I will now show you the most excellent way, the word of God says. When you read God's word, there's always things to, to see, to dig a little deeper, to help you you and us to understand that the truth that he's getting at. There's a couple of things that I just want to point out right away as we begin to look at this text. A couple of things that are critical, I think, to understand and start to grasp what it is that God is saying, what he's revealing in these words. And the first thing is this, recognizing who it is that he's speaking to. So the church of Corinth, you know where Corinth was, but it was a port city in Asia Minor and port city. So what that meant is there's all kinds of different people from all different kinds of walks of life that came to the city of Corinth. All kinds of different people. And God had called them together to be the church, revealed his goodness and his grace to them. So all kinds of different people who had, and if you look at chapter 12, it's a, it's a chapter about spiritual giftedness. So all different kinds of people with all different kinds of gifts. This, 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 this whole collection and, and um let's say smorgasbord of people, whatever, all together to be the church. Sound familiar? I don't think that we're quite as diverse ethnically or nationally as the church at Corinth was, but we're diverse. There's a lot of different people coming from different walks of life here, gifted differently. And then this truth they were the church. They were the body of Jesus, all called together, knit in the spirit, one spirit, to be the body. 
all of them professing and believing in the love of God. The, the truth that, that for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever should believe in them would have everlasting life. They believed that. That's what knit them together, faith and belief. They understood that. They, they said, yes, that's who I am. I, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been saved by his grace. A lot of differences, but something that they had in common that was greater than all of those differences. Is that true for us? Of course it is. Really important to grasp these things. To understand what it means to be people called to live their lives in the most excellent way. What is the most excellent way? This passage shares a lot of things about it. And it starts out right away with, with three things that it isn't. You see them on the screen. If you look at the second part of verse 1, it says the most excellent way is not grounded in eloquent speech or powerful speech. You can have all of that, but if you have not love, what does it say? Resounding gong, clanging cymbal. So that's not the most excellent way. It's not about being full of knowledge, prophecy, or professing a deep faith, even a faith that can move mountains. Think about that for a minute. That's not the most excellent way. You might be going, whoa, I thought that was pretty important. It's not even this, and this is something that I think really would cause all of us just to maybe just think a second. It's not even in being a selfless giver and or surrendering yourself to God's call. That's verse 3. Doing those things. So you look at those, and you look at that verses 1, 2, and 3, and it says that's not the most excellent way, but would you argue that those are bad things? No, you'd say those are pretty good things. Exactly. They're not the most excellent way, but they're the fruit of it. They're the result of living in the most excellent way. And I think we can understand that when we stop and think about it, when we start to resonate, what is it that God's saying to us in terms of the most excellent way? Well, how many of you got a Christmas gift? For those of you that aren't raising your hand, I'm so sorry. If you got a Christmas gift and somebody gave it to you and said, here, we'll pretend this is a Christmas gift. If I went and I said, here, take this gift. You're going to take it, okay. You can, you can control everything with that gift, by the way. You can change the slides, everything. Anyway, but I, I gave it to you and, and, and to, or to you and you and you, and, and it, clearly I didn't want to give it to you. I didn't have any joy, any love in giving you that gift. What does that make you feel like? Pretty empty, isn't it? And the same thing that's true of serving, of doing whatever. Look at the list. That's what he's speaking about. It's about being. It's about who we are in Jesus Christ, what we have in our heart, God's love being filled up and pouring out. You know what? I think I better take that back. No, I'm just kidding. You can, I trust you. You can hold on to it. <laughs> Emptiness. Have you ever been there? Even when somebody would look you in the eye and say, I love you, and you know they 
don't really mean it. I think we can understand what he's speaking about when he says the most excellent way and he uses those examples because we've all been there and we will be again. Hopefully that helps us to start to to resonate a little bit with what the most excellent way is and what he's speaking about. A couple of other things that are really important to grasp to help us to look deeper into what he's saying and what he means when he says the most excellent way and what this text then reveals in terms of what that is. The first is this. When you, when you think of what's being asked and, and what you're thinking about, know that it's given in an eternal context. Did you catch that? Eternal context. He's not asking us to, to walk in the most excellent way for today or just for tomorrow. Or as I heard one person promise as they were making wedding vows, I promise to love you as long as I love you. I'm like, what is, what is that? So when I suddenly decide, okay, I'm done, that's, well, unfortunately, that's how it goes sometimes, right? No, it, it's eternal. He's asking you to, to follow the most excellent way and to love eternally. And with that on, the, on your mind and in the forefront of who it is that you're being. See, that changes a lot of things when we grasp that, when we understand that, doesn't it? That we think about who it is that we're going to be and what it is that we're going to do, that we're not doing it just for today. We're not doing it just for tomorrow. We're doing it for eternal things. And that's one of the things that when we have incoming elders and deacons, I really hope to impress on their, on their hearts and on their minds you're going to make decisions about what's going to happen here in this body of Jesus Christ for, for next month, for next year, maybe for a while after that, but way more important than that, eternally. And God is asking you in terms of calling you to the most excellent way to love eternally. And with that in your heart and with that as your focus, in terms of being the church, the body of Jesus Christ and his followers, and every other title that comes under that. As a brother, as a sister, as a mom or a dad, as a son or a daughter. To have that eternal understanding about who it is that he's calling you to be and how he's calling you to love. And that's right along with the second thing that I would ask you to really think about and grasp. And it's something that doesn't jump out right at you. And if you knew Greek, anybody know Greek? Maybe some words. Yeah, you could read this and you'd see that. So when you read this passage in the original language, the word for love is explicitly God's love. <clears throat> Gotta take a drink of water. We have one word, love, <clears throat> that is defined in a lot of different ways, like by context and in a sentence. So, if I were to say, man, I really love that pizza, that would mean something entirely different than, man, I really love my wife. And it does. Way different, right? But same word. 
In the Greek, they had a word that was, that was specifically used, one word that you could use in the context of saying, I love that pizza, and they would know you're talking about a thing or food. And then you could say, I love my wife. It was a different word, and they would know that that meant a whole other thing relationally in terms of what it means to love that way. And they had one word explicitly that was used to declare and to speak of the love of God, and it's used in this passage all throughout it. So wherever you read love, the word love in here, you have to read it this way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not God's love, you see, have not God's love, I'm only a resounding gong. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not God's love, then you get into the list, which we're going to get into in just a second. God's love is patient. God's love is kind. That's how this reads. And if you, you were in the church, that's how you'd be reading it. But, but we can become a little bit desensitized to that because we don't have that word God's there in front of every single time it says love. And when we, we tend to, I think it diminishes things for us. It does for me. I have to remind myself that when God is calling us to the most excellent way, what is he calling us to? He's calling us to love how? Out of our humanness? Out of our flawed love? Our imperfect love? No. He's calling us to love with what? With his love, the love of God. Does that make a difference for you? I surely hope so. It's an entirely different way of, of understanding who it is that God is calling you to be and who it is that he's calling you to be at work or as a student. Who it is that he's calling you to be, again, as a son or a daughter or a dad or a mom, a husband or a wife, as a follower of Jesus, a part of the body of Christ. See, this is profound. This is huge. We need to grasp that to understand what this passage is all about. And then to prime the pump and to help us understand a little bit more in a very practical way, he gives us a list. There's three things that I would suggest to you that this list reveals right off the top. I mean, you can look at this list, and I encourage you to, um, when, I, when I go through premarital counseling and marital counseling, I ask people to, to print it off, to tape it on a mirror, put it wherever they can see it every day. And if you're struggling in one of those relationships, it's a great thing to do. I encourage you to do it right now. Well, when you get home, or you could do it now too if you want. This list um, shares three things right at the top. The fact that it's a list, it shares that loving with God's love takes more than just one part of us. It takes God living in us and all of who we are. So think about that for a minute. A lot of times I'll ask people, so you say that you love, what does that mean? Define that for me. Tell me, when you say that you love that person sitting next to you, you love um, God, what does that mean? And what is it really? Is it an emotion? Who would say it's an emotion? Anybody? Well, it is an emotion. 
Is it a, a way of thinking, a mindset? Of course it is. Is it a physical act? Does it involve physical actions? Of course it does. See, it takes all of those things, right? And as I try to encourage people to look at this list and you think about all of these things in terms of being the most excellent way and how God calls you to love, it is all of them. Some of all of the parts. You have an opportunity. Think about this. You have an opportunity. We always want to think about things in the, in the negative ways. I want you to think in the positive ways. You have an opportunity always in the relationships that you share and the people that are close to you and the people that aren't to love with the most excellent love, God's love. So the other day, just for example, I had cleared the driveway. Anybody have some fun doing that the last couple of days? You all have snow plowing services? I don't know. Yeah, Kendrick, okay, we're sharing this together here. I, did you? I, I had an opportunity to, to clear my driveway, and I get done, and I go into the house, and I sit in my recliner, and I go, and then I hear a voice. Hey, honey, I have something I'd like you to do. I'm like, what? I'm just relaxing, trying to become one with the recliner. I had, a, I had a choice in that moment, didn't I? Yeah. And, and these are the things that I really, again, premier husbands and wives, you get, really got to listen to. Because I have a choice. I have a choice to love her with the most excellent love or not. And so I, I think immediately, yes, she's my wife, I love her, and I might be thinking, I wish she didn't ask me right now. But I have a way of thinking about that. Am I going to do it? Am I not? Who am I going to be? Am I going to sit there, and as soon as she says that, I'm going to say, what do you mean? I just did the driveway. Isn't that enough? I could have responded that way. Would that have been the most excellent way? Trust me, it wouldn't. I'm picking on you. I'm so sorry. You're so awesome. I know or I could have just sat there. I could have said, yes, oh, sure, and then did nothing. I had a choice. Who was I going to be? Was I going to love her with, with emotion? Was I going to think mentally? Was I going to think well of her in that relationship? Was I going to act and move and be or not? You see how all of those things work together? See, God reveals that to us. If you're going to love in the most excellent way, there, there's, there's all of you is involved in that. The way that you think, the way that you feel, the way that you act, all of it, all of the time. And it's a good and a great thing. That's how, yeah, that's how you get to the most excellent way. When you love that way, and a list reveals that. If you start looking at these individual things, you'd see that in each one of them. It's an emotional response. It's a way of thinking. It's a mental response. And it's an action. They take action. And it's something to grasp when you think of, of what does it mean and, and going through this list and seeing this list that it reveals. It also reveals this, number two, it's not easy. It's not easy. not easy to love with the love of God, is it? 
Look at the list. Is it easy to be patient sometimes? No. Is it easy to keep control of your anger? No. Is it easy to forgive? No. Is it easy to celebrate truth sometimes? No. Is it easy to trust? Not always. Is it easy to persevere? No. Over the last um, four months, there's been a lot of uh, challenges and things that God has spoke to me on. A lot of things that I encountered and experiences. A lot of them had to do with who was I going to be in the most excellent way or not. Did I choose that path always? No. Did I try to? Yes. See, loving with the love of God is hard. It's not easy. But it's what he calls us to. It also takes intentional effort. Intentional effort. Look at the list. It takes intentional effort to be kind. It takes intentional effort not to be self-seeking. I think that's a huge one. None of us are ever going to admit that we are basically selfish. But what would it mean then to love with the love of God and think of others before ourselves always in a perfect and holy way? See, then it starts to maybe make things a little clearer and to think eternally. It takes effort to do that. I think of the words of James 2.17. It's speaking about faith in that context. Faith without works is dead. Some people get the idea that that's an advocating for works righteousness. It's not. If you read the whole text around it, it's sharing that that's a result of your faith, what it is that you believe in and who it is that you're going to be. And the same thing is true of love. You could say love without works is dead. It's about being, about taking effort and actually loving. All important things. And you can look at this list, every single item on it, and understand that. So just to, to recap, you think about all of those things about what we're trying to be taught, what God is trying to teach us in, in these words about the most excellent way. About understanding that it's speaking about God's love, that it's speaking about loving eternally, and with that as our eyesight and our heart set. Knowing that it takes all of us in terms of everything within us 
every part of our being to love that way. It's not easy. We have to be intentional about it. That's what it's asking for. That's what it's advocating for us. And as you think about 2023 and all of the opportunities in front of you, the hope is that you choose the most excellent way. I chose to include those last three words at the start of verse 8. Love never fails. Another question. Do you believe that? I have to believe that every single time I had the privilege of standing with two people who were covenanting to one another in the presence of God and making promises to him that they believed what they said. I I, I would not have officiated or been a part of that if I didn't believe that that was true. And yet some of those people have broken their vows and they have failed to love. Does that mean that that's not true? Love never fails? I mean, you all have known people who have had that and went through that, right? Maybe you've had that personally as part of your experience. And so you look at those words, love never fails, and you say, I'm not so sure. But then we would only be thinking in human terms, in the way that we love, right? God's love, see that word? The Greek word, God's love never fails. And if you choose the most excellent way, it never will. If you choose to be who it is that God's calling you to be in this passage, and you think about all of those things, just look at that list. And think about being patient, kind, not envying, not boasting, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, keeping no record of wrongs, not delighting in evil. And sometimes... You know, we're there. We take things that are wrong and deceitful and dishonest, and we take things that we know aren't right, and it sin is pleasurable sometimes, isn't it? But rejoices with the truth. If love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, guess what? If we do that and we understand God's love never fails, and that's who we choose to be and how we choose to love, it never will. That's how God loves us. And it is the most excellent way. So brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, you have a whole year in front of you to experience new things with some of the same people that you always have and some people that maybe you're going to meet and you'll have a new opportunity to You have a chance as you're a worker or a boss, as a dad or a mom, a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife, a follower of Jesus, a part of this body of Christ, to love in the most excellent way. Might it be for all of us.
That's pretty good. Well, God, I give you praise and I give you thanks for your goodness and your grace. I praise you for being a God who loves us in a way that blows our minds at times. That is filled with grace, but also filled with truth. That calls us into account to make our hearts right with you and with others. That pours out grace and forgiveness in a beautiful and wonderful way. I thank you for having access to that love. For everybody who calls you by that name, Savior, forgiver of sins, who has you in their hearts, that you give them that same opportunity and privilege. Lord, today as we worship you and we give you praise on the last day or the first day of a new year, might indeed, might indeed, we choose to live in love in the most excellent way. In your holy and your powerful and your precious name we pray it.